This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Yep, rolling along, Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. I just gave you a bunch of observations from Seahawks practice yesterday, but I did leave one back because I wanted to make sure Brock was here for it. Good morning, sir. Hello. I hope it's the one <laughs> that I'm going to guess. Well, yeah. I mean, I ran into somebody yesterday oh, yes. at practice that was very unexpected. Now, I didn't know he was going to be there, and I didn't see him there until Brady Henderson, thankfully, pointed him out to me and said, hey, look who's over there. And I saw and waited a little ways. That was when we were inside the bubble, and I saw him walking around with his fiance, and ended up going outside afterwards. And during the drills section, kind of before they got into the seven on seven, uh-huh. I went over to uh, introduce myself and say hello hey, to Ed Orgeron. That's right, Coach <laughs> yeah. O was in the house yesterday. Go out. Uh, That's right. <laughs> It was very exciting to see him. The guy's magical, man. The guy has something about him that's different than any other coach I've been around. Two of the best coaches I've been around are Pete Carroll and Jimmy Johnson. That's right. He loves Pete Carroll. They're friends. They go way back. And uh, he was here uh, on his, uh, I don't know if it was his honeymoon, but they were, it was not because they were, this is fiance, but they were just visiting and going through the Northwest and thought they'd stop by and see Pete and take in practice for a few minutes. And I'm glad you ought to have that Ralph and Fusion wouldn't ever got past number one. Anyway, <laughs> anyway Brock, uh, he was very excited to hear uh-huh. about you and had a lot of questions. He said, oh, I have to say hi to Brock. And I was like, I, I'm sorry, what did you, did you ask what his boy? Yeah, how's more doing? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, Titus is boy. I think that's what he asked. I still am not entirely uh-huh. sure what he asked me. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah, no, Brock's kid's doing great. He's six foot two. He's only, you know, in seventh grade. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what the heck this guy's saying. He's nodding along. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, and then, like, so that, like, I stood there for a minute. He he starts, like, whispering to his fiance about, like, Abe Lucas's set or something like that. And I was like, uh-huh. kind of start to leave. He was like, all right, nice to meet you. And he just walked away. It's like, okay. I've just been dismissed by Coach O. Um, yeah, he's a he's a force du jour. There's no question about it. Some of it because you do spend some of the time trying to make sure you decipher, right? Like Morse code, exactly what's no going what he's on saying. here. It's really hard to understand him. John Emery, another, another great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. A uh, great young man. On a scrimmage, we wanted to get bigger. That's exactly how oh, he yeah. talks in person. Oh, yes. Exactly. I mean, you, could you could understand that. Just real gravelly, right? Right from the right from the diaphragm. Uh, I, I didn't. I Again, this is just me evaluating a couple pictures. Did he look a little smaller? Yeah. Is he? He's leaned down yep. a little bit, hasn't he? Yep gotten out of the weight room where he's lifting every day. You know, I, I did an SC game when he was coaching there and he was a D line coach and he was doing one tens like before practice. I mean, he's there's Ed out there in his cleats. Like yeah. he is, I know Pete does some of that, but he took it to, I think even another level. So nice to see him mellow a little bit. There was a lot of speculation that he would just jump right into media. I think there's still speculation. Media. That, oh yeah. 
I oh, yeah. understand them. What do you mean media? <laughs> I mean, I guess you can put them on the SEC network, but like, well, you can put Lou them Holtz? on like ESB. I guess that's true. You Why Lou Holtz? Holtz Do you, Holtz you understand Lou Holtz? Fair point. It's kind of funny. Uh, after the practice, we had a spring game the next day, and I was looking for worms on the field. And my coach, Coach Joe, goes, my nickname's Baby. He goes, Baby, what are you doing here? I said, Coach, I'm looking for some worms. He goes, and there were some worms on the field. He goes, okay. Well, here's a big one here. He said, baby, you going fishing? <laughs> Dude, I don't, like, that's a real human being. It's you unbelievable. Te- I'm so glad me- I met him. You telling me you wouldn't tune in? You telling me that if he takes Lee Corso's spot, whenever that day does come, yeah. like, you you won't tune in with him? And I mean, prob- no, probably not. But I, I tell you what I would do. I would replace you with him and try to do a show with him for like a week. You want I me to reach out? Yeah, I think the next okay. time you go on vacation like you did last week, uh-huh. I'd like Ed Orgeron to come in for a All full right. show. Okay. How entertaining do you think that would be? As I just sit here and be like, yeah, I don't know what he just said. Anyway, uh-huh. like... And do you think he would understand what you said? (laughs) I think so, right? You think think so? You don't think he would understand what I'm saying? When you get in all your big words, you think he's going to follow along too? Or you bring Jeff Passan into the conversation? There's no way he could follow Passan. There's there's no chance. Quite a test for a closed caption machine. (laughs) Yes. I don't want to see that. (laughs) How was the juice out there? He was out there. How was the overall juice of the. I know you went through your kind of takeaways, but how would you just summarize? Shout out to Coach Carroll, man. Love him. He's a great inspiration in all our lives. Everybody that ever coached with him. He's just got more. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, How was the juice? Lot. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't Weather like little... unbelievable, but it was good. Yeah, it was they, good. Were, they were rocking. They were doing their thing. Everyone looked great. You know, it was I good. Mean, I, think this is, I think you have said both times, two, three times you've been out there. I think you have said just about every time that the defense, who, by the way, is up against it. Like the, the, these, these settings are yep. set up for the practice. I know. They look pretty good again. But you... this is also the strength of this defense. Right, I mean the like, coverage. Yeah, the back end of it. Yeah, I mean it's a seven on seven. The the D line's yeah. not there. I mean like they're not rushing the passer. The D line's not there. I mean like this yep. is what they should be good at. And by the way, they looked really good at it. I so. mean it stood still though. Should be a drill that you're is a QB ninety percent. I mean it still should be a drill because of what you just it's said. Not right so there. much there's in no, completions no as it is like sometimes guys aren't open. I mean, like you just see, and then they hold it. Now maybe that's a drill where they're supposed to hold the ball. Maybe it's a scramble drill. Like, you know, it's sort of hard for me to judge those things when you don't fully know, you know, what, what it actually is. Right. Yeah. I did have some sound that I wanted to make sure I played for you here. Brock, I thought this would be uh, important for you. Here is DK Metcalf uh, asked about what it was like having Brooks and Jamal Adams there. I mean, their energy, you can tell how much Jamal wants to be out there by how, I look at him on the sideline, and he's pacing back and forth. Jordan, he continues to talk to Bobby on the side, and then Tariq. Um, you know, he just he's uh, just got hurt, but you know his energy as well is somebody that's contagious. Whenever he walks into the room, he's always smiling, um, and he just picks you up uh, whenever you got to talk to him. Because I can't even tell that he's hurt because he's always smiling. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And Julian Love said the same thing that, you know, having Jamal here this week has been phenomenal. And yeah, I don't need, honestly, I really, I, I was more excited about Ed Orgeron asking about my son than I am about these guys having to kind of back up my point of having Jamal. I don't need any more of that affirmation. Okay. I know that. I'm very confident in that. I, I do know maybe early in that injury for Jamal, super, super good news to do all your rehab. Great to see him walking around and bouncing around a little bit. And, you know, the next step will now be what happens with the, the pup list, right? And there's a handful of them. Mm-hmm. And Kobe Bryant's not practicing. Abe Lucas isn't practicing. Tariq's obviously not practicing. Jordan and Jamal. Jordan will for sure 
start this season on the physically unable to perform. I, I don't think there's any question about that. But the other four, uh, I will be, you know, very, yeah. very um, curious to see. Kobe better get his butt out there, man. And and I don't mean like he's not hurt. I'm sure he is. But I think he's a little, a little bit in danger of losing a spot just because Mike Jackson shows up every time. He had a pick again yesterday, yep. and he's just everywhere, right? And and there's nothing to keep them from starting, you know, rotating those guys in or starting Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen. And then when you go to a nickel, which is like all the time, yep. you know, Mike Jackson could be the one coming in and you bump could, Witherspoon well, inside. Yeah, it could be sliding Julian Love, d- depending on different matchups. That's right. Who you're playing, he plays nickel. It could be sliding Devin if they've got an elite, you know, elite guy inside there and you want to put him on Cooper Cup consistently. You know, with his speed and twitch, quickness, and everything else he can do. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the essence of competition. Ed Orgeron knows it. What he learned from be down there. He's he he know, he down anyway, there. he says hi. I want to make sure. I, that, I, that part I, I got. I appreciate it, man. He Thank wanted you. me to make sure that I said hello to you. He had great things to say about you. Fills and he's very curious about Titus, <laughs> although he had no idea you had two daughters who were playing basketball. So right. that's kind of where we're at. And uh, now I have passed along whatever information appreciate I've it. gotten out Thank of you, Ed-O. At least I think that's what he said. Perhaps he was insulting you and your family. I don't know. We also talked to Derek Hall yesterday. I promise you will like this interview coming up in 20 minutes after everything you need to know next need to know 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk here's what you need to know up first i did enjoy watching the seahawks work at minicamp yesterday and as i was there brock i just kept wondering why would the jets cancel these practices it just doesn't make any sense to me don't they have nope. rookies don't they have yep. new players don't they have yep. new coaches don't they want this opportunity to work together and get used to each other and everything else that you would think would happen at these practices? I guess that's what goes down when you have Aaron Rodgers on your team and you've sold your soul and you got to make him happy. But, God, it just seemed ridiculous. And looked like the Seahawks were getting quite a bit out of it. Overall, they look like they're having fun. There's great competition. There's a lot to like about it. Um I don't know, man. It it seemed fantastic. DK Metcalf spoke afterwards. He was pretty impressed with his fellow rookie, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, he's come in and he's treated it like he's a, a vet already. He knows how to run routes. He, he knows his body. He knows how to catch. Um, so it's really just teaching him the playbook. And, you know, he's already ahead of the curve of, of learning, um, you know, the technique that Sanjay's teaching. So, um, I mean, he's just fitting right in uh, with the drills and with the plays that we've called him. There are questions with Ohio State quarterbacks. Because we've not seen one really come into the league and thrive and excel and dominate like they've done in that horseshoe for so many years. But there's not any question about Ohio State receivers. Brian Hartline has been the receiver coach there at Ohio State for Ryan Day and Urban Meyer, and he is a pro developer. Guys come out of that program, and you know how to play that position. And last year you saw it. Garrett Wilson is rookie of the year. Shouldn't have been over Kim Walker, but whatever. Uh, Chris Olave and on and on and on. And next year they may have the number one pick in the draft. You may see a receiver well, that's not true. Caleb Williams will go number one, but Marvin Harrison Jr. will be right there at two or three. So they pump them out. Not surprised to hear Tyler two days ago, DK yesterday, sing the praises yeah. of a rookie that did, does not look anything like a rookie. He did torch Devin Witherspoon down the sideline, too. I mean, I know it's seven on seven, so I don't, I don't want to like right, call out right. Witherspoon. It's like, oh, man, he is I mean, by him. I mean, maybe Witherspoon should have help over the top. I mean, maybe. maybe. Hey, maybe, what do maybe. I know? I know that. I, I don't know what the heck's going on over there, but he certainly beat him deep, which was pretty cool. Here's the second thing 
you need to know. Well, whatever positive momentum the Mariners might have had from a really nice win the other day, they seem to immediately give back with just another blowout loss yesterday, Brock. That's five blowouts in their last eight games. They are now slipping below 500. They find themselves farther out of the AL West race. It has been ugly, and Scott knows it. You know, we're at the point in the season you, you want to put a nice run together, and you look at our team, and I think we're certainly capable of doing that, but it's a combination of things. You know, you need to have consistent starting pitching. You need guys in the bullpen to step up, but ultimately, you got to score runs. You know, it's going to take more than four hits uh, in a game, any game, to win it, and uh, that's been the the most frustrating thing, I thought we, we've had some good at-bats last night. Didn't really carry over into today. And uh, that's what it's going to take. Uh, I believe we had the team to do it. We have not done it so far this year. I know no, they've not. Not consistently in any way. Luke Arkins, our buddy there on Twitter, who is so good putting numbers out, and many times is actually very optimistic. Mm-hmm. Right, Looks at numbers in, in ways that you know traditional fans sometimes don't and tries to figure out you know what's really going on behind the scene and well, even he put out numbers yesterday, and, and the one that was maybe most perplexing of all, and we'll ask Jerry Depoto about some of this an hour from now, is they are fewest balls put in play in the league. Mm. Not a surprise when you see the strikeout rate. I mean, those two are, are obviously tied to one another, but just not even giving yourself a chance, not even putting the ball in play. Yeah, it's so funny because that is true, and yet the thing that I keep looking at is the slugging. They're not hitting any home runs. They're not hitting the ball hard when they do put it in play. Eugenio Suarez, Brock, barely has a higher slugging than his on-base percentage. Right. I mean, like, he's got a, what would we say, a 314 on base and a 324 slugging? I mean, like. Well, we said yesterday, and and you corrected me, I thought OPS, and this is just because of my Mariners goggles, would be league average around 650. It's not. It's 727. And the Mariners have four total players on their roster above league average. Jared, the only one over 800. Yeah. That's it's, it's really been ugly on the on the hitting side. And now you're starting to see some pitching issues show up as well. George Kirby struggled again yesterday, gave up 11 hits and five runs, got away from him after that. 10-3 the final. They managed just four hits. They'll off again today. They'll stew on it and then uh, take on Anaheim this weekend. Here's the third thing you need to know. Seahawks announced a new team for their preseason media broadcast, Brock. They're moving to King 5 this season, and uh, no Kurt Menefee this year. It'll be Kate Scott and Mike Robinson, and uh, they'll do the game with some help from Mike Bennett. Uh, Paul Sylvie, KJ Wright will handle pre and post and uh, and halftime as well. Uh, as for Kate Scott, she currently does play-by-play for 76ers games. She was on yesterday with Bump and Stacy and explained why she loves her gig. It's as close as you can get to being a part of a game without being an athlete or a coach or a part of the training staff, you know? Um, I loved reporting. I loved anchoring. But there was just something different about being live for two and a half to four hours, however long the game you were calling was going on. And maybe not getting to be in the moment, but maybe getting to be a voice of somebody's biggest moment of their career. East Coast, least Coast, West Coast, Best Coast. So West Coast are coming back and calling on the West Coast. Kate Scott right there. And I've had a chance to work with Kate a few different times. And energetic, so fun. Makes everyone around her better. Really, really cool. I, I, I chatted with kind of Kurt this offseason, and obviously he and I had a, a special run through a lot of great years for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And I think just time and, and schedule and everything else, it was it was a place for him to, to move on and Kate to step in, and she'll do a phenomenal job. And 
Look at KJ, man. Look at KJ. I know. He's moving up in the world. Awesome. How about that? Uh, last thing here for Need to Know. Did you follow any of what was going on with the A's last night? Uh, the Oakland A's? Yes. They won. I think no, they won a series. Not, not their team, but not, oh. not their game. But what oh. was going on in Vegas oh. and Carson oh, no. City. Oh, my gosh. What an absolute mess. As they're like, uh, taxes? No, we're not going to be. No, no, we won't be paying those. Oh. Uh, what about uh, create? No. Uh, well, no, we're not going to do any of that either. I mean, like, dude, I don't know whether Nevada's going to pony up the money when it's all yeah. said and done. No, but, I was paying attention to the, one of the greatest NBA efforts you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, I heard. And, you know, and it kind of stinks. I know a couple years ago, y'all, you tried, right? Djokovic you really tried. was really good last night, you right? Tried, not Djokovic. He's the tennis player. Oh. Knock it off. Jokic. Oh, sorry. Sheesh. You confused. try it with John Moran, and you, and you love the I high tried. flying antics. How'd that go? I'm telling you, man. If you you would, you would love Jokic. You, I'm just what telling you, you man. would. I'm telling you, you would. Whatever. The most unselfish superstar, the best passing big man. Sorry, Bill Walton. Sorry, and and a facilitator, and the most humble dude too. And they're up two one, trying to do something they've never done in their history. I still can't fathom the idea that Denver's a good basketball. Like that's really hard for me to like even wrap my head. I mean, around. you know, George Carl was there with Carmelo. They were you know, good. But they were never that English. good. But they, they were never good. that good. Right. But they were. They were relevant. I went to a playoff game when I lived there. They I were mean, playing yes. Lakers. But everybody year. goes to the playoffs in the NBA. Like I'm they not were, saying they haven't had good teams, but they've never been like nope. A, like a big time relevant part of the NBA. Well, you know what you're saying. You're saying what baseball people are going to say about the Mariners. Absolutely if, true. And when yeah. they get to a World Series, absolutely true. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely what they'll say. Yes, <laughs> especially people who don't watch baseball, which is kind yes. of where I'm at with the NBA. That's everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. All right, uh, I promised you guys earlier that you would like this, and I guess you'll have to hold me to my word. We had an opportunity to sit down yesterday with a really excellent young man in Derek Hall. I just absolutely. Top five rookie interview we've ever done. Period. Any sport. Ooh, I don't know how I could disagree with that. Top I mean, just five yeah. rookie interview. Yeah, just because of this sort of introspective nature and his story and his willingness to talk about who he is and where he's been and what it all means. Uh, and definitely the largest knees I've ever seen on a human being. So stick around. You'll hear from Derek Hall coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Our own on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. And pleased to be sitting down with Seahawks. I'm going to say outside linebacker, outside linebacker, yeah. defensive end. That's it. Outside We're going backer. outside linebacker. Yes, Derek Hall. Derek, <laughs> uh, thanks for being with us. Congratulations. You got drafted, man, in the second round. It's pretty awesome. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. What was that like? Uh, special. Um, you know, you can sit there and think about it, dream about it, and see how you're going to react. But you never really know until that time comes and you get that phone call. So it's just it's just a real feeling. You're there with all your family and friends and just all the hard work you put in. You know, just coming, you know, full circle. And, you know, it's, it's really only just the beginning of, of a long, long road ahead. What's your family yes. like? Who are you with? Uh, I was with my mother, my sister. Um, you know, my grandparents were there. Um, I mean, we rented out a whole venue, so it was about 200 people there. Just oh, family. whoa. Yeah, all, all my whole family. Whole bunch of friends, and, you know, people who felt like have helped me along the way. Two hundred so. people, you better get drafted. Yeah, you you better go in the second or third <laughs> round. You, you don't want to slip till day three yeah. if that's the case. Yeah, sir. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. I know. It. So you must have had a pretty good sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, going into it, everybody was there night one. Uh, you know, we got a call late, and uh, thought it was going to be Kansas City late. Oh really? Um, yeah, they took the the Figless kid, and uh, you know. Told everybody, thank you for being here. Obviously, tonight wasn't the night. We'll be back tomorrow, and it's just not a matter of 
of uh, if. It's just a matter of when. And um, we knew it was going to be early. Got the call from Seattle, and you know, I haven't looked back since. That's awesome. So you're congratulating him on getting drafted, so like that's yeah. old news. Like I'm congratulating him on signing. That's true. Good that point. Check. Like, yeah. anyway, one thing that you know, I have a great party. That was all awesome. Got drafted, but then now what was it like? Yeah, what was it like this week to actually sign that contract? And do they direct deposit that sucker, or do, have we seen? Have we, did you look at you know the bank account? <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so I got the call yesterday morning after meetings from my agent Harold Lewis and. He said he got it all worked out. He was trying to explain it to me, but obviously I had to go to walk through. So it was like a quick breeze. Just really, <laughs> really, really excited. Okay, got it. It's done. It's over. Went to practice. Got up at the practice. Went up and signed it. Saw the numbers. Uh, wowed me a little bit. But uh, yeah, that 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 thing went direct deposit. But it ain't there yet. So it, it'll be a little bit. Take me back to your childhood a bit. You're from Gulfport, is Gulfport, that right? Mississippi. What yes, sir. Tell me about Gulfport, Mississippi, because I know it's been an important thing for you. Yeah, um, just born and raised there. Been there my whole life. Big um, town, small town. It's it's the second biggest city in Mississippi. Oh, so okay. it, it has about eighty to hundred thousand people. So it's 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 fairly big. Okay. Um, for what it is, um, I love fishing, love the water. So that, that that's been huge for me. Having to go from Mexico there, uh, you know, real good town, great people. Um, everybody knows everybody uh, down there. Um, but you know that that place has been very very special to me. Uh, was in one school district, my you know K through twelve. You know, so I came up through the ranks there, and from that point on forward, I went, I went to Auburn. But go from Gulfport is definitely special. How does it compare to, say, Olive Branch, Mississippi, for, for example? Not that we know oh, anybody from Olive Branch. Yeah, big difference. It's uh, better, right? I know. Uh, yeah, that's I, what I, I want to hear. I know John Rise, uh, who plays at uh, UCF. I uh, meet me, him really, you know, tight. Um, but yeah, I know him and uh, KJ. He's, yeah, he's from Olive Branch. Yeah, yeah. So all right. Uh, that's on the that's on the water. Does that have that like sugary white sand too? Like the, the the panhandle. I was just at the panhandle last week, Derek. I was in Seaside, Florida, in yeah, that Gulf, in that water. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that stuff is beautiful. Same way in Gulfport. Uh, not quite. So the, the beach down there is man-made. Um, oh. yeah. So the the beach down there is man-made. I mean, beautiful sand, beautiful scenery. But the water is definitely not the clearest. <laughs> what are you best at on a football field? Best at on a football field? Um, I think just being a great teammate, just overall effort. You know, a lot of people say being a great teammate um, doesn't equate to, to the being on the field. But, you know, that that, that definitely is because when a guy can trust you to do your job and he know that you know what you're doing, he can be confident in doing his and your y'all abilities working together is going to turn out something successful. So I would definitely say that and then just relentless effort. Uh, you know, that's that's a big part of my game. I mean, I still have a long way to grow and a long way to a long way to go uh, as far as the, the fundamental piece and really getting where I want to be. But, you know, effort makes up for a lot of that. Where does that come from, that relentless effort? Because that's what everybody who talked about you, the analysts that we had on, your former coach that we talked to, they all just said a relentlessness to play. What is the engine that drives that? I think just the, the love for the game overall. Um, so I was, I, I was a preemie, and I was introduced to the game of football, and it was, became kind of like my way of escape. At the age of four, um, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of birth issues growing up and being in and out of the hospital and just a whole bunch of stuff there. But, um, you know, when I was introduced to that game, it gave me the feeling of kind of living a normal childhood and, uh, you know, doing things that a normal kid have the ability to do. So uh, I took it and ran with it from there, and it's been, it's, it's been going ever since. Yeah, we, we've heard a little bit about your story, and it, it's fairly remarkable, and I know there's been a documentary made, et cetera. We're talking to Derek Hall here on, on Seattle Sports. How long into life did that affect you? I mean, it doesn't affect you in any way now, does it? No, not not yeah. not not much at all. Um, so the, the the last instance I had was a, a few years ago at Auburn. Um, 
just just dealt with a common cold and it got really bad and it started to affect my asthma okay. there but it, it wasn't nothing you know life-threatening anything like that so that was the last hiccup i had but i mean i don't use any of my inhaler nebulizer nothing like that i haven't used it in years so it really doesn't affect me much but that that did affect me to about the age 10 or 12. okay uh what know, was it like as a kid it's, it was it, it was hard uh, because when i got introduced to the game of football it kind of gave me like i said the life of a normal childhood but i still wasn't able to do normal childhood things you know kids can run around all day i was able to run around five ten minutes and i have to sit down for 45 because like i could just barely breathe and um so that was kind of the route there and that was for a very very long time uh and that just come with my lungs have been undeveloped to this yeah. day i'm 22 i have lungs of a what 19 year old kid that's three years off so i mean it's just which would be good when i get old obviously right um it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna work your advantage you know yeah. it's so funny you say it I, I just i'm trying to imagine your mother and those you mentioned your mom mm -hmm. and you know so many parents end up becoming incredibly overprotective in that situation want to just make sure nothing happens to their baby and right. and especially after going through what you went through mm -hmm. but she must have had either either the foresight to say go ahead and, and the trust in you to, to let you go ahead and play football and run around, or you were just so passionate about it that she didn't have a choice. How, how did that go? I kind of feel like it was a little bit of both. <laughs> uh, she saw, which a lot of it I don't recall, obviously, because how young I was, but she saw a lot of the frustration and everything that I did go through. And when I got introduced to that game of football, I think she saw the relief and joy that it brought me. But she definitely took every precaution she could to make sure that I would be okay she had an inhaler on hand at the game. My coach had an inhaler. The, sometimes she, she she gave an inhaler to the official. You know, just she crossed and she crossed awesome. every every single thing that, that you know that she could do to make sure that I would be taken care of. You know, no matter the circumstance. She's been to every one of your games. Every single one. That's she 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 has yet to miss a game. At what age did you really come to realize how miraculous that was? Um. I would not even say, the playing, but just your birth, just your survival, right. just your gift of life. When did at what age did that become real? Right. I really didn't talk to my mom much about it until about the age of fifteen ish. Uh she kinda really always tried to talk to me about it a little bit here and there, but I never really wanted to get the gist of it or really talk about it much. And then I got to that point I was like, Okay, I really want to know like what did I go through? How how did this happen? How did that happen? And she pulled out a big collage full of pictures from the time I was born until the time I was able to do everything on my own. And she went through every single picture. This happened here, this happened there, this happened there. And the, I think the biggest impact on me was seeing myself as a two-pound, nine-ounce baby, two-pound, one-ounce baby, laying there. And I'm like, that's me. She was like, yeah, that was you. And it was it, it was crazy. So it's it definitely truly a blessing. And I'm glad that I do know everything now. So that, that was about around the time I really – sat down and, talk, and talked to everything about my mother. That's amazing. And it, it, it leads us to today. And as you said, to bring this back, you're relentless. You're relentless on a football field. Now you get here, you make this jump from, from the SEC, which is about as close to, call, to pro football as you can get. Mm. But now you're out here with these guys. What have you learned in the last couple of weeks? Learned a lot. Uh, rookies <laughs> don't talk much, number one. <laughs> Sit and learn. But, um, you know, just, just the aspect piece of your job. Um, you know, it's a lot more complex in this league and really trying to get everything down and, you know, figure out how can I better help myself be successful and group all these things together to to go out and do what I need to do, perform my job. Um, you know, every little thing is critical at this level. So, you know, to be successful, one bad step here can get you reached. One bad step here can get you beat. 
And it's just, you know, it's it's really trying to accumulate all the things together, you know, no false steps, you know, making sure my eyes, knowing where I need to travel to know where my drop is, know who I'm looking for coming over and, and different stuff like that, that that equates to being successful with the defensive unit. So uh, I think the job within the job is definitely the biggest difference in transition. Last century when I had a rookie minicamp, I could still remember it. And then we had the vets come in and I remember that as well. What was it like that opening weekend, maybe some of the texts, the calls that you had made to friends, family, agent, and then when the rest of the grown men decided to show up and all the veterans came to town, how much different was it? Right. The first weekend was really, really cool. Um, just getting here, meeting everybody, saying what's up, uh, you know, meeting the guys who I got drafted with, some of them which I already knew prior to, to coming here, um, you know, going out, practicing a few days, you know, getting the base defense under you, coming back, and then the next Monday you walk in and your stomach's all turning, you know, you're feeling kind of nervous because, like, you know, I don't know what this guy's going to think of me. I don't know how I'm going to fit in here, how am I going to look in my room, you know what I'm saying, all this stuff. So, um, But the guys here are amazing. Uh, you know, that they, they accept you open arms, they're loving, they're caring, they take you under their wings and try to show you the way to be successful um, because, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're all working towards one common goal, and that's being world champs here, so. The guys are pretty good. Does it help being bigger than almost all of them? Uh, I mean, you're, no. you're a big dude. Yeah, What's but your coat the, size? Can, can you wear something like at the mall? Can you get like a size 48 long, 50? What What do those shoulders fit in? I don't I don't know for sure. <laughs> um, I, I, I forgot because I, um, I used to go to the locker room back in Auburn to get my custom suits. I think it's like a 46 <laughs> or something like that. 46 mm-hmm. long or something like that, maybe. Mm-hmm. 46. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I don't think it's a 46. I, I, don't that's what I, wear. I don't know. Don't give me the line. But it's, it's, it's definitely not a 50. Okay. It's, it's definitely not a You're 50. You're positive. Sure. I'm 100% positive. All right. That's I'm 100%. And it hey. really may be a 46 because I like, I like everything tight. You like it tight. Uh, once yeah. you get on, I mean, relentless, great. Stopping the run, stopping the pass, rushing the passer, playing in space. How are you? You know, what's the scouting report on you from you? Um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm very, very stout in the run game. Uh, you know, that's you have to stop the run, earn the right, the rest of the passer. So, you know, that's huge for me being able to be stout in the run game. I feel like, like I said, I'm very, very raw in my pass rush ability, but I feel like, you know, my go to and my wheelhouse right now is just uh, my long arm, my stab, and really trying to be physical, speed, the power guy. I feel like that's going to be my wheelhouse until this thing is over. So, really just trying to perfect that and critique that. Tell myself be successful as far as playing in space. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty solid at doing that as well. Um, obviously, there's some things I could clean up. Um, you know, as far as like having my own eyes and different things like that and making sure, I mean, like I said, just knowing my job within my job. But overall, I feel like um, I do all three of those things really, really well. And um, I still have a long way to go and growing in all three of those as well. Hey, last thing for me, Derek, do you find yourself like, okay, I'll look at Bobby Wagner because I'm sure you played a little Madden back in the day. And, oh, yeah. You know, he's got that 99 rating and everything else. And do you, do you find yourself like, okay, I'll look at him, but don't like really stare at him. Don't look at him too much. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you find yourself fighting like that really is Bobby Wagner over there? Uh, not not so much. Um, you know, when I first saw him, like, dang, that's B Wags. I mean, I'm in the same locker room as B Wags. I'm in the same locker room as Gino. I'm in the same locker room as DK. Um, you know, all, all that stuff was really really cool. Um, but you know, once I got to know him and meet him, really cool, down to earth guy. Uh, fun, laugh, joke. But when it's time to work, he's about business. So you got to definitely, you know, differentiate the two with him. And, you know, be on your job because if, if if you're not doing what's right to help the team be successful, he's going to let you know about it. And that's the kind of leader that you want to have. Uh, you know, at his level and playing this game of football. So Wags is a great guy. Jokes about Olive Branch aside, uh, one of the things that has set KJ apart here, and Bobby and some others, just how 
unbelievably invested they've been in the community. And I was at a event for KJ last week where he launched his new foundation and raised a tremendous amount of money. He seemed like he had every heavy hitter in the entire city there given money. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just reading a little bit about you, it it sounds like that's important to you and that you did some work uh, in, in your hometown with drinking water. Is that right? Yeah, so not in my hometown, but in Jackson. In Jackson, okay. yeah. So, um, oh, when all, well, when everything went down last last year in Jackson. Yeah, the the water crisis up there. Um, so definitely, community is, is huge for me, giving back, and um, so I, I grew up, you know, when Katrina was there, um, in '05, and going through that, and you know, people coming down, giving back, going back home, having nothing, the whole deal. Uh, you know, when I heard about that, it, it was it was huge for me to be able to have opportunity to give back to a state who's done so much for me. So. Um, you know, I shipped tons and tons of pallets of water up there, you know, two separate times. Just been able to show my, my, my gratitude and my thank you, um, you know, to the state of Mississippi because, um, you know, that state has done a lot for me and not only that state, but I have family members who, who live in Jackson. So, uh, you know, if, if if the shoe was on the other foot, I would want someone to do that for my family as well. And that was your NIL money? Yes, yes, correct. And that's a pretty impressive thing to do. I mean, Brock and I, we've had a lot What's of debates. What's impressive, the SEC NIL money or his heart? Well, both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both you don't listen to any of that sports radio in, in Alabama when you were there, right? The nah. Alabama-Auburn nah. wars or any of the crazy callers or any of that. Nah. You don't want to get involved in that. Uh, hey, I lied. I got one last question, man, because we tried to figure this out, and I asked people, who is Derek Hall? Like, is a player, you know, we love to project, you know, and what kind of NFL player, who is he? Is, is there a guy that you looked up to when you were young and playing? Like, yeah, man, that's my game. I want to play the game like that guy played the game. Yeah, um, I love Vaughn. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like our game started out very, very similar. Um, coming into college, I was a speed guy. Coming into the league, he was a heavy, heavy speed guy. Uh, he, he transitioned his game to, to a speed to power rusher, and I've transitioned my game to a speed to power rusher. So I pick up on a lot of tips and clues from him, um, and I had opportunity to meet him down at the Combine, so that was, that was pretty special. You ever heard of Carl Banks? I've heard the name, yes. He played opposite LT. LT was okay. on one side, Carl Banks was on the other. Okay. I'm getting old, right? <laughs> so Carl Banks was the first name that came to mind. before you lived. All right. You know what, Brock? That's really unnecessary. You're older than I am. That is a gratuitous shot. But it's been fun watching you so far out of practice. We're looking forward to this year. Congratulations on getting drafted, on signing, on everything else. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you all so much for having me. All right, tell me you guys didn't end up loving that. I, we, we we taped that yesterday with him uh, before practice, after the show. Knew we were going to run it this morning. Tell me you didn't end up loving him. It's impossible. You know, you know what I would have a hard time doing from an evaluation standpoint is I would fall for a lot of these guys. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And I would have a hard time and, and probably, you know, and, and have some bias of just like, yeah, man, there's just a likability there and he's got me. And, yeah, is there some areas here where he's a little rough where he doesn't bend? Or, and I'd be like, that's fine. G- give me that guy because he's just he's just relentless. He just, win, he just wins you over. He just wins you over. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder how much they have to fight that. Certainly Pete, and maybe that's why he's not a scout <laughs> and he's a coach, you know. He takes the clay after it's already been drafted and everything else. And he's in all the meetings. He knows all the interviews too. But, yeah, that's where I think I'd have a hard time if I'm – Trent Kirshner, if I'm John Schneider, mm-hmm. if I'm one of those guys, like, cause there's just a bunch of them that are going to win me over with their life story. And then once they do kind of start to peel back some layers, you're like, I just love this guy. Well, he, he's certainly very, very interesting just as a person. And whether he succeeds in football or not, I get a pretty good sense that's a guy that will succeed in life in one way, shape, or form. But he really is massive. Yeah. I think, Brock, you've, you've sort of asked about the twitchiness and the fluidity. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's a question. I mean, there's no doubt. I don't know how much space he'll be able to play in. I think that's going to be a concern with him. But in terms of moving him and just his raw power, he said speed to power. He's got both of those things. I mean, flat out speed and flat out power he has in spades. Can he be nimble enough? Can he be quick enough? I don't know. We'll find out. But he uh, he was really, really fun to talk to. Right now, we'll do a little Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Saul. All right, three good football questions for Brock. Let's start here. He compared himself, talking about about Derek Hall, who we just spoke with, to Von Miller, Mm. at least in terms of a guy that he really loved to watch. Is that a good comp for Derek Hall? I, lo- I love that that's who he shoots for. Shoot for the moon, man. Shoot for the Hall of Famer. Shoot for the stars. And, you know, even going and spending time with Von Miller, who, who does pour into younger guys and, and, and to add to his tool bag. I love that he was pretty honest about what he is and what he isn't. Mm-hmm. And knowing that he's a very raw pass rusher, Von Miller's not. <laughs> and Von Miller's got to bend and can play, like, to the ground at levels that very, I mean, very few can. At his size. Like, in the last... In our lifetime. I mean, how many is his Is Vaughn as big as him? No. I think he's about 245, 250. I remember looking at that coming out for a bunch of these guys. And by the way, in that little interview, he also broke some news that the Chiefs had called him, you know, late. And and he might have been the 32nd pick. You know who the Chiefs ended up picking? Felix Anudike Uzama, the other DN from Kansas State. Who, those two... I bet it was a little bit, frankly, like Seattle with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Baltimore, right, taking Zay the next pick. Mm-hmm. Like those two, there was there were mixed feelings. There were some in the building that really loved Jackson and, and the others that loved the home run of Zay. And I'm sure in Kansas City there were some that loved that guy, that loved Eric Hall and wanted him, and others that just said, eh, you know what, we'll go, with, we'll go with Felix. But two very similar guys, to be honest with you, who have some question marks about maybe Twitch or, or adding to the tool bag or, you know, what they – so I love that, A, you know, sometimes you ask these these players, and I know this is something the scouts do too, hey, who do you like? Who do you watch? And if he's like, eh, I don't really watch ball. Like, I, right. I love LeBron. You're like, uh, you know, I, I kind of want you to watch football, you know? Like, I, I, and for him, it was, he's all in. And if Von Miller is, is who he sees himself as, go for it, man. If you get anywhere close to that, yeah, that second round pick is going to come uh, back. And a texture says he seems more like Khalil Mack than Von Miller. Yeah, I think that that's probably... That seems yep. like a pretty good comp, just in terms Khalil's of that size. Little, I think Khalil's even a little bigger. Really? But his, I think so. But his God. knees are pretty big, huh? Dude, I'm telling you. Biggest <laughs> knees I've ever seen. Question number two. Talked to Bob Condota yesterday. I I, I, I'm sorry. What? Let me just do... You know what? From from PL to PL up and Paul's bow to the Palouse, I apologize. What I have turned Mike Salk into... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I am 100% serious. No, you serious. haven't. Come on. Uh, I was yes. always like this. No? No, you were really? not. I feel like you I You were was. not looking at a man's knees. You couldn't and help it, Brock. They took up the whole room. B's knees, you were not. And I I, <laughs> I am responsible for a lot of this. And I am sorry. All right. I'm sending another angle of the interview. So All right. let me get chat. so people can see <laughs> it. All right. I didn't see what you guys were talking about. Question number two, Brock. Uh, yes, we Bob talked to Bob Condota yesterday. What jumped out? Yep. 
exactly what we spent a little bit of time in your takeaways, and that is the flexibility that this secondary may have. And, you know, you wondered how, how can Pete innovate again? Right, he did it at SC. He did it playing young people at SC. He innovated. He changed the college game. He did it when he came to the Seahawks and built a legion of boom, right, and built a defense from the back end and did it with these massive corners, and then the rest of the league followed. How can he do it again? How can you continue to innovate? And when you look at this roster, Salk, and, you know, Bob hit on this, that, and you asked him about Devin Witherspoon playing inside, and he just talked about the versatility and went through it all. And when you're playing the 49ers and you've got Christian McCaffrey and you've got George Kittle and you've got Debo Samuel, you know what you have to have? Incredible versatility. You've got to have maybe in those matchups, Julian Love comes down and covers George Kittle and maybe Devin Witherspoon is going to find a way to play inside and play Christian McCaffrey or whatever those matchups are. And not having just your traditional, okay, man, we're going to cover three. This is what we're going to do. Here's our one nickel. Here's our, you know, no, 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 no. Here's our interchangeable positionless parts. We got to cover Cooper Cup this week. Okay, we got to cover Kittle this week. Oh, we got to cover Mahomes and Kelsey this week. Right? You've got to have matchup wise people that can play with them mm. and, and bring some some wild cards to those matchups. Keep an eye on that. All right, question number three, quickly here, because I know we want to get to some Brock storylines in a few minutes. Uh, DK Metcalf yesterday uh, spoke to the media and was asked about being a leader last year and some of the challenges he had as uh, trying to vocalize that. I mean, you know, when you lose guys like Bobby and Russ, you try to force yourself into roles that, that you think that, you know, you can fulfill. And, you know, that just wasn't my role. Uh, that's Geno's role, to be a vocal leader. Uh, he's the quarterback. He's, he's the one calling the plays. He's the one singing hut. And last year was Quandra and Hal. Um, and, you know, just me fitting into my role of just, you know, bringing up a young guy and just showing them, you know, what it, what it takes to be a professional and just things that I learned from guys like Bobby and Russ instead of just vocally saying it, just doing it myself. And, you know, if they want to do it, um, you know, along with me, they can. If not, then, you know, they can find their way. Appreciate that a lot, man. Forced it last year. It felt a leadership void and felt like he had to step into all of it with Bobby and Russ gone and everything, and it just wasn't him. And now there's not that question this year. Part of the reason you brought Bobby back defensively, so you could take a little of the bird off Quandre that isn't all about him you know, being the most vocal. And now Jamal hopefully comes back into the fold, and Geno Smith offensively, it is his team on that side. So I really do always appreciate it when players are vulnerable and transparent and honest, and that's exactly what you get from DK. Great stuff. That is today's Blue 88, and if you missed the interview with Derek Hall, go back, please, and uh, take a listen to it. You can find it on our YouTube channel later today at Seattle Sports or at seattlesports.com. All right, coming up uh, in the next hour, Jerry DePoto will join us in 35 minutes. That is going to be an interesting conversation today i believe uh before we get there brock you have four storylines i got four plus. four it's an odd four number plus. i mean it's yeah. an even number but it's kind of an odd number I mean, of story I got a fifth two that's come about so okay. if you want me to go five brock's go got four five. and a half storylines to follow next brock and salk seattle sports on 710 salesports.com